What makes Kanye West like Michael Jordan? That's easy. They both represent Chicago. They're two of the best to ever do it. They're both addicted to winning and renowned for being world-class assholes. Anybody who likes basketball will have a deep appreciation for MJ. And anybody who likes hip hop will have a respect for Kanye's production skills, rap talent, and over the top attitude. I am the new Jim Morrison. I am the new Kurt Cobain. But really, what connects the two of them in a way that's worth talking about? It's the fact that they both created empires that expanded the scope of what was possible from their positions and grew into brands that are bigger than just music or basketball. LeBron from the number that you wear on, on, your, on your jersey to you know, just the way people have talked about. I wear the number because of Mike. I did, I did pretty much everything that MJ did when I was a kid. I shot fadeaways before I should have. I, I wore a leg sleeve on my leg and folded it down so you saw the red part. I wore black and red shoes with white socks. I wore short shorts cause you, so you could see my undershorts underneath. I, I didn't go bald like Mike, but uh, I'm getting there, <laughs> but I'm getting there. <laughs> Come on, homie, we made you. We made you. Come on, homie, we made you. We made you. Come on, homie, we made you. We made you. Come on, homie, we made you. We made you. Come on, homie, we made you. We made you. Come on. Welcome to Identity Crisis, a show where we discuss extended metaphors between two pop culture icons. My name is Jimmy. And my name is Will. And we're just two fans of music and basketball with extremely low voices. This episode is a vehicle for us to dive deeper into two massive icons that we look up to for various reasons. MJ was the greatest basketball player of all time, with six championship rings to show for it. And Kanye is the most impactful artist of the third millennium, at least by his own standards. Well, whatever your opinions on him, he's a huge influence and somebody definitely worthy of discussion. But we're not really concerned with whether or not you think we should be talking about Kanye West. We're concerned with the ways in which he's like Michael Jordan. So let's bring it back to 1982. With basketball legends like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, Beginning to show their age, Michael Jordan was a rising star from the University of North Carolina, fresh off a national championship winning shot over future all-time great Patrick Ewing. Jordan, Michael Jordan, 
North Carolina has won the 1982 NCAA championship. He was drafted by the Chicago Bulls, a team that had never made it to the NBA Finals. At that time, the big teams in the NBA were the Los Angeles Lakers, the Boston Celtics, the Houston Rockets, and the Detroit Pistons. Nobody had any respect for the Chicago Bulls. From Chicago, Illinois, please give it up for the future of hip-hop, Kanye West. This is Kanye on Deaf Poetry Jam super early in his career. The survey says by the streets according, Kanye just important as Michael Jordan was to the NBA when he was scoring. Ralph Lauren was boring before I wore him. Like Jordan, Kanye West entered the hip-hop world at a time when Chicago was really just flyover country. Hip-hop in the 90s revolved around the East Coast-West Coast rap feud that resulted in the death of two of the biggest stars of the generation, Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac Shakur. And the heavy hitters that were left all fell squarely into one of two camps. P. Diddy, Nas, and Jay-Z represented the boom-bap hard-scrabble New York and the rest of the East Coast. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg represented Los Angeles and the new chilled-out West Coast sound that was simultaneously stoner and gangster. At the very end of the decade, we were introduced to Eminem and Nelly, both Midwest dudes from Detroit and St. Louis, respectively. This shakes up the debate about East Coast, West Coast. Eminem and Nelly are stylistically different than the other rappers of the 90s. Nelly raps about being a country boy, with verses so chocked full of slang that most 90s kids probably still can't tell you half of what his lines actually mean. I mean, I'll admit, I still don't really know what shimmy shimmy cocoa puff like really means. And Eminem? He was white. So back to the Jordan story. In 91, with the help of a zen-focused coach named Phil Jackson and a rising star named Scottie Pippen, who was even younger than Jordan, the Chicago Bulls defeat Magic Johnson and the Lakers in five games and become world champions. But Jordan didn't stop there. The next two seasons ended with Jordan bringing the Bulls back to the finals and winning championships again. He pulled off the first three-peat since the 60s. And in the hip-hop world, it's a little bit harder than sports to judge who wins and who loses. But it was fairly clear when a newcomer named Kanye West dropped his 2004 album, The College Dropout, that a new champion had arrived. You know what the Midwest is, young and restless, we're restless. Niggas. Might snatch your necklace the next day. Might jack your Lexus. Somebody tell these who Kanye West is. True words, Chi-Town, Southside, Worldwide, cause I rep that till I fucking die. Two words, Chi-Town, raise me crazy, so I live by two words. Fuck you, pay me. The college dropout won a Grammy. It peaked at number one on Billboard's rap, R&B, and hip-hop charts and it went triple platinum. I'm doing pretty good as far as geniuses go. But like MJ, Kanye didn't quit after his first win. He came back the very next year and won a Grammy with late registration, also triple platinum, and he completed his own three-peat by defeating Gangster Rap with the release of Graduation in 2007. Yes, I did. A lot of times with black people we're taught, you know, you ain't shit, your daddy ain't finna be shit, and so you're not supposed to believe that you can be anywhere further than you were. So to some kids right now, I am what Michael Jackson was to me. 
On the opening track of Graduation, Kanye says, On this day we become legendary, everything we dreamed of. And it was true. He had inadvertently entered into, and won, a sales war with one of the juggernauts of hip-hop culture, 50 Cent. Well, the much-hyped sales race between hip-hop kings Kanye West and 50 Cent is over, and Kanye came out on top. He outsold his rival by some 250,000 copies. But perhaps the even bigger winner here? The ailing music industry, which finally had something to brag about. So Kanye and MJ both start off their careers with three enormous successes. Victories that made it very clear that they're kings within their own right. But more than the three-peat, what connects these two most is what brought their streaks to an end. James Jordan, the father of basketball superstar Michael Jordan. He was shot to death while in his car. Jordan's body was found August 3rd. Police are still searching for the murder weapon. The murder of James Jordan, Michael's father, happened about a month after Michael won his third championship. He was shot in his car while he was napping at a rest stop by two men that were eventually sentenced to life in prison. Michael Jordan was very close with his father. His signature facial expression, a focused look with his tongue stuck out of his mouth, was a quirk that he had learned by imitating his dad. Now there's a much disputed conspiracy theory that Mr. Jordan's murder had something to do with gambling debts that Michael hadn't paid. Whether or not that's true, the death affected Michael in an extreme way. When I lose uh, the sense of motivation and the sense of to prove something as a basketball player, uh, it's time for me to move away from the game of basketball. It weighed heavily on his decision, just three months after James' death, to retire from basketball and start a career playing the sport that he shared with his father. Michael Jordan's father, James, played semi-pro baseball, and his dream was for Michael to play baseball. When his father passed away, Michael wanted to live out his father's dream. And it remains to be seen if Jordan will win over his new teammates. There's another hit! A drive down the third baseline. The tying run may score. He's around third, racing for the plate. Michael Jordan has tied up the ball game, and this crowd has seen what it came here for. In the case of Kanye, he and his father Ray West didn't share the closeness that MJ shared with his dad. Kanye and Ray may share some of the same passions. Ray was a Black Panther and a photojournalist that rubbed shoulders with Ronald Reagan and Maya Angelou. But in terms of their personal relationship, it's never really been much to speak on. Kanye's parental guide was his mom, Donda West. In the song, Hey Mama, Kanye raps, I wanna tell the whole world about a friend of mine This little light of mine, I'm finna let it shine I'm finna take y'all back to them better times I'm finna talk about my mama if y'all don't mind And the date that changed Kanye's career forever? The moment that ended his three-peat of gigantic, victorious hip-hop albums? Well, that moment came on November 10th, 2007, just two months after Hey Mama dropped. Plastic surgery death of hip-hop artist Kanye West's mother. The singer was in London preparing for an upcoming tour when he got the devastating news. All this comes as the autopsy on West's mother is going on right now. Kanye's emotional fallout from his mother's death coincided with his breakup with longtime girlfriend Alexis Pfeiffer and left him in the darkest emotional place that he had ever known. On 808s and Heartbreak, the first depressing hip-hop album of all time, 
Kanye raps, my face turned to stone when I heard the news. From that moment on, Kanye has never been the same. Some hip hop fans may argue that we're better off now with the advent of emotional hip hop. And some fans of art might appreciate the work that's been done by Kanye's design collective that commemorates the name of his mother, Donda. But with all that said, there's no question that Kanye would give up everything to have his mother back. Definitely, he would give everything up to have his mom back. And he's, he's been quoted saying that he feels responsible for it. It says, if I had never moved to LA, none of this would ever happen. I understand trying to put that blame on yourself when you're when you're Kanye West. Mm-hmm. He's wrong, but you know, it's it's certainly a link that you can draw. Just the same way that people draw links between Michael Jordan's dad dying and his gambling. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan wasn't at fault for his dad's death. No. Would it have happened if he wasn't involved in the criminal underworld and and a gambler? It's hard to know. Hard to know. And I mean like so his dad was murdered in a rest stop in North Carolina. He was driving a red Lexus with the license plate UNC0023. So it was like pretty obvious that that was like a famous person. Jordan affiliated car. Exactly. And the, the dudes that murdered him, they, they shot him and then they stole the car. And the way they were caught is that they made calls from Jordan's dad's cell phone. And like, I don't know if you remember, but in 1993, like nobody had cell phones. That was like not a big thing. It was kind mm-hmm. of like, it's obviously related. But making a call from a cell phone is a novelty. They're not making a call from Jordan's dad's cell phone because for any nefarious reason to confirm the hit. They're making a call from a cell phone because they've never used a cell phone. Before. Right, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's they're both sad moments and they both... You know, if you if you want to draw a connection, you could. But ultimately, like, you cannot blame yourself for something bad that happens with your parents. They're people. You know what I mean? They're people separate of you as a child. And, and whether you're a child who's barely in your parents' life or whether you're Michael Jordan or you're Kanye West, it, what happens in one person's life is, is not the fault of their offspring. Yeah. So... What comes out of Michael Jordan's dad's death is Michael Jordan's baseball career. And what comes from Donda West's death is 808s and heartbreak. So the question that I have is, in this extended metaphor, is 808s and heartbreak metaphorically the same as Michael Jordan's baseball career? Well, sure. Michael Jordan sucked at baseball. And Kanye West sucked on 808s and heartbreak. He sucks at singing. (laughs) He knows it, though. He he doesn't, like, make any attempt to say, like, I'm the greatest singer in the world. He's been quoted saying, like, I know I'm not a great singer. That's why I use autotune. And Jordan played minor league ball. He wasn't exactly shown up to the All-Star game. Yeah. And, and I think that both of them were sort of things where, like, big fans of MJ hear that he's going to retire and play baseball. And they're like, what? Like, really? And the excuse that MJ said when he retired was that, he had won already in basketball, and he didn't feel like he had anything left to prove. It's not because I don't love the game. I love the game of basketball. I always will. I just feel that at this particular time in my career, I don't have anything else for myself to prove. Now, I think 
The gambling situation with David Stern had something to do with why Michael Jordan retired from basketball. But that's not it. There were sort of two things that led Michael Jordan to retire. It's his dad and it's the gambling. And there's sort of two things that led to 808s, which is Kanye's mom dying and Alexis Pfeiffer breakup. Sure, and then I mean, even beyond that, you, you look at what Kanye West did out of graduation and going on the Glow in the Dark tour and, and being the first person to really integrate pop music and electronic music kind of years ahead of its time. Mm -hmm. The only way to follow that up is with something revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't like the way the revolution's going, 808s and Heartbreak is a revolution. Travis Scott and Little Uzi Vert and all of the mumble rappers of today, they rap about emotional things. They're sad, it's sad rap. Even Drake of has- Drake is the saddest rap. He's the most mainstream sad rap. Exactly. And and Drake's first, uh, his first mixtape is called So Far Gone. And he he raps on a Kanye beat from 808s. The, the beat was Say, uh, Say You Will. And Drake's song is called Say What's Real. And he raps on the beat. First of all, it's an amazing beat. Best beat on 808s in my opinion. And so Drake raps on that beat and he looks at his producer 40 after it and they decided that's the sound like that's the drake sound we're gonna go after that and like look where that's led him so kanye west making a revolution as an artist it's something that inspired a lot of other people mm -hmm. right and michael jordan going to play baseball didn't necessarily inspire a wave of athletes to go try out their second sport but i think that Michael Jordan did inspire a wave of athletes with something besides basketball. Mm -hmm. I, I think he did it with his persona. And his persona was ultimately what caused him to go play baseball. He was the media darling. He had pressure on him every night. You know, there were people following him to his hotel at the Olympics. And, you know, every single thing he did was reported on so heavily that he just couldn't take it anymore. And so he, he stepped away from the spotlight. It's funny what when he was so he played for the the Birmingham Barons I think they're yeah. called like a, a minor league team of the Chicago White Sox and the the White Sox brought him up for like a couple games to actually play on the MLB White Sox and one of the games that they played was the Crosstown Classic in Chicago against the Cubs and that game at Wrigley Field was like the most packed Wrigley Field has ever been. Everyone shows up for MJ, even though they know he's like not a great baseball player. And he got a two two RBI double or single okay. or something. And it was like Wrigley Field was erupted. Lit. It was erupted. I mean, everyone was so happy to see Michael Jordan being good. All right, so here's here's proof that Michael Jordan can sell something besides basketball. Mm -hmm. And with 808s and Heartbreak, we have proof that Kanye West can sell something besides sped up soul samples and self-deprecating, self-conscious rap. It, it's, it's the proof that Kanye was looking for, that his persona, his image, his own artistic ability was bigger than the three albums that had made him who he was. All right. so. I think that being bigger than who you were is a pretty common thread that runs between Kanye and Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that the thing that's going to stick out to everybody with the two of them 
is their shoes. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's the biggest. You know, now it's, it's way out there. And, you know, obviously I have to take some of the credit, you know, in terms of, uh, or blame, either way you want to look at it, that, you know, more kids are coming in today looking at the business side of, of what their skills could provide for them instead of looking at what the game is going to provide for them. It nearly goes without saying that the strength of Michael Jordan's brand will carry his legacy into perpetuity. Likely on the shoulders of a horde of sneakerheads wearing shoes and gear adorned with a Jumpman logo. The level of hype surrounding Air Jordans and the sacrifices some fans are willing to make to get their pair are well-publicized facts by now. But they're no different than hype-beast behavior around drops by brands like Supreme and Undefeated. The most remarkable trait about Air Jordans hype is its longevity. For me personally, it's been 10 years since I bought my last Jordans. But I still fondly remember waiting in line for a pair back in 2004. The craziest thing is that the root of this everlasting hype goes back over 30 years, all the way back to 1985 and the NBA's first high-profile ban on a pair of sneakers, a pair commonly referred to as the Air Jordan 1. The story goes that the first pair of Jordan 1s to make an appearance in an NBA game a black and red pair MJ wore in a Bulls preseason win over the Knicks on October 18, 1984, were subsequently banned for violating the league's quote-unquote uniformity of uniform rule. Not only did a player have to wear shoes that matched their uniform, they had to wear shoes that matched the rest of their teammates. Now the black and red Jordans were so different, so revolutionary, that they didn't fit in with the rest of the shoes on the court. According to legend, Nike believed so much in their sneakers and in their man Michael that they footed the $5,000 per game bill for MJ to wear the Jordan 1s the remainder of his rookie season. The only problem is that the NBA never actually banned the Jordan 1. MJ wore a pair of player-exclusive black and red Air Ships with the moniker Air Jordan in small print on the heel on the court during his rookie season. AKA, he wasn't wearing the Jordan 1. When the NBA banned Jordan's Air Ships, Nike noticed the hype immediately and made sure the Jordan 1 appeared alongside Michael when it mattered most, like in the 85 dunk contest and in a highly publicized game of one-on-one -on -one against Patrick Ewing. Nike loves the band narrative, so much that they reissue the colorway in 2016. A pair of black and red Jordans would run you well over $1,000 today. Michael Jordan's history with Nike marks the first time that one man was used to sell a shit ton of sneakers. Dozens of athletes have followed suit and released signature shoes, and even the most successful can barely hold a candle to MJ. But if you were to visit flightclub.com, the online home of perhaps the most well-known sneaker consignment shop in the world, your first option at the top of the screen is Air Jordans, followed by Nike and Adidas. The fourth option? Yeezy. MJ was the first of his kind, an athlete whose public perception reached far beyond his greatness on the court. When Nike started marketing the Jordan brand by telling consumers to be like Mike, they didn't mean play good basketball like Michael Jordan. 
They were selling the ability to be cool like Mike, to win like Mike, and to be an icon like Mike. They sold the idea that as long as you had a pair of Jordans on your feet, you could feel like Michael Jordan. Similarly, Adidas doesn't sell the Yeezys to people who want to make good music like Kanye West. They sell them to people who hope that if they put on a pair, they might be able to feel a little bit like Kanye West. All right, so is Kanye West an icon? And do we only know that because of his shoes? I think he's definitely an icon. And I think the shoes are sort of like a, a physical uh, way that y you can hold it, you can feel it, you can like hold a little bit of Kanye West in your hand. But I mean, the iconic status of Kanye, I think probably started before the shoes. Sure, I mean, you, I think you need to have a long, a long history of success to even be considered for icon status. But in order to really be an icon in the 90s and the 2000s and in the Jordan to Kanye era, you need to be commodified. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is with a pair of shoes. And if you can commodify Michael Jordan with 28 pairs of shoes or 32 or whatever they're at where the last dozen haven't been shit, then you can commodify Kanye West with some cool shoes that cost way too much money. Mm -hmm. So on the note of the recent Jordans not being shit, I feel like there's a feud there that has been fueled by Kanye. So Jordan and Kanye West are the two names at the top of flightclub.com. It's like Nike, Adidas, and then the two actual people on that list are Yeezy and MJ. So those are the two people that are obviously at the top. And it's really hard to overcome Michael Jordan when it comes to shoes. But Kanye is like in a hurry to do it. And he released a song called Facts on Life of Pablo, where he like raps exclusively about how Yeezy is better than Jordan. Yeezy, Yeezy, Yeezy just jumped over, jump me. Yeezy, Yeezy, Yeezy just jumped over, jump me. At the same time that he's telling you that Yeezy's better than Jordan, he's also acknowledging that his endorsement deal with Adidas is worth 1 20th of James Harden's. Kanye West made $10 million from Adidas when he first signed. The same year, James Harden was paid 200. It's crazy. I mean, I, I didn't hardly know that James Harden signed a deal with Adidas until like maybe years after. But here's the thing. Adidas can sell James Harden shoes at every Foot Locker and every Champs and every Finish Line and every mall all across America from September until June every year. Mm -hmm. Adidas can only sell, I don't know, 50 pairs of Yeezys at every niche Adidas originals store that's going to stock them and then they'll give another couple hundred pairs to Kith and Bodega and your sneaker shops. So Adidas isn't making money on the Yeezy. The Yeezy is a phenomenon that's generating passive capital for Kanye West's image mm -hmm. without Adidas or Kanye's intervention. But what Adidas did 
with Kanye West was take a risk. Mm. And they allowed an artist who, who was not a designer to have a voice in what his shoe should look like. And the risk has paid off tenfold for Adidas in terms of, of their status as a sneaker brand. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was looking the other day at, at uh, StockX, the, the indexes for sneaker brands, and Adidas is valued higher than Nike or Jordan. Yeah, Adidas is hot again. The value of Adidas shoes sold within the last 24 hours in the United States is greater than the value of Nike shoes or Jordan shoes sold in the last 24 hours. That's that's was unfathomable mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Well, and like Adidas signed Derrick Rose and that obviously didn't work out. And I think that like when Kanye was getting on stage and ranting about Nike and how they didn't give him control and that he needed somebody, he needed to find somebody who would let him be an artist. Adidas is like, what do we really have to lose here? I mean, this guy is very serious about his shoes. I guess the story goes that, that Kanye West was on a plane and he showed the president of Adidas sketches of what he wanted the Yeezy boot to look like the first, the Yeezy seven fifties. And the president of Adidas, whose name I can't remember, like really liked the sketch and like looked over his shoulder and was like, let's give this guy a chance. And I feel like that plays perfectly into what Kanye West wants. He wants people to like something he made and say, let's take a chance on this guy. And I think that every consumer of the Yeezy has done that and taken a chance on Kanye West. But it's impossible to walk into a room wearing Yeezys and not be considered an asshole. Yeah. There's at least one person in the room who thinks you're an asshole if you walk in wearing a pair of Yeezys. Totally. Which is something that that would never happen with Michael Jordan. Right? Michael Jordan maintained this kind of squeaky clean, you know, in spite of the gambling and his father's death and whatever. But he, he's maintained a, a relatively squeaky clean image such that that kids still defend Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time against LeBron James, even if they've never seen Jordan play. Mm-hmm. Now, listening to a 13-year-old say that, I would enjoy the hell out of. If I wanted to listen to a 13-year-old tell his classmate how cool he was because of the Yeezys on his feet, I would turn around and walk away before the kid yeah, even Yeah, I wouldn't love that. It's, it's awful. A, a 13-year-old wearing Yeezys was born after the college dropout dropped. And I'm not saying that you have to have been born or been listening to or whatever, but like, I remember that we were in a car with some kids that were like six or seven years younger than us a few years back. And we mentioned late registration and they were talking about how good Kanye West was. And we mentioned late registration and they were like, what's that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, go back and do some homework on Kanye West. Like the same way with Michael Jordan. Like if you're going to get into a serious argument about MJ LeBron it's like, you got to know something about the first three-peat. Like, you can't mm-hmm. just talk about the one shot that Jordan... Like, mm-hmm. you have to know about more than six frames. You have to know about basketball pre-1991. You have to know about Isaiah Thomas. You have to know about the Pistons. But the, the, the point is that you can be an ardent Jordan fan while having no idea of the context of his body of work. Mm-hmm. And that's because of his shoes. Mm, totally. And you can be an ardent Kanye fan having no idea of the context of his body of work. And that's because of his shoes. Mm-hmm. 
So Kanye leaves Nike in 2012, I think, 2011, signs his deal with Adidas in 2012. When, when that all goes down, it's like, okay, cool. Kanye hates Nike, he loves Adidas. And at that same time, Kanye was launching this brand Yeezy. And he had a few dudes at his side at that time that were like really on board with his fashion. Virgil Abloh is one who's like now a very famous designer. And Don C was his tour manager at the time. He was like an executive at Good Music with Kanye. And now both Virgil Abloh and Don C have done massive collaborations with Nike. Virgil Abloh, not only has he collaborated with Nike, but he's released the hottest series of shoes in 2018. Mm -hmm. I would, Off-White has eclipsed Yeezys currently. Mm -hmm. He's collaborated on visual art with Takashi Murakami, something that Kanye never was allowed to do. Mm -hmm. And he's become the creative director of a massive European fashion house in Louis Vuitton, something that Kanye was never allowed to do. Which he is very pissed about. I mean, oh, Kanye, so Kanye is okay that Virgil is seeing that success, but he's still so salty that he didn't have that success in the fashion world. He had to build his own brand because like, Louis Vuitton and all, all like all the Balenciaga and all these people that Kanye looked up to, they, they weren't they weren't gonna have him be a, like an associated person with their brand. He made one, he made two pairs of Louis Vuitton. It's because he's bigger than their brand. Kanye West is bigger than Louis Vuitton. No one looks at a pair of Kanye West Louis Vuittons and says, "Oh, those are Louis Vuitton shoes." They say those are Kanye West shoes. And well, you, you don't want to be like Louis Vuitton. You don't want to be like Tommy Hilfiger. You don't want to be like Ralph Lauren. You might want the clothes because you, you don't like want to be like Virgil Abloh. You want to be like Kanye West. Like you, you wear a pair of Yeezys because the name Yeezy is a person who you know. Louis Vuitton. I don't even know if that's a person. I mean, I probably should know that, but I don't know anything about who Louis Vuitton was. I barely know anything about the guy Ralph Lauren. I know it's not his real name. Tommy Hilfiger. These are all just like old white guys that I don't want to be anything like them. But if you want to be like Kanye West, you can buy a pair of Yeezys. And if you want to be like Mike, you can buy Jordans. <laughs>